Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This is a preview episode looking at the Michigan football team's matchup at Rutgers. And Steve, I saw the spread has exceeded 25 points, which is my official, unofficial number for when it switches from keys for Michigan to win to keys for Michigan to have a successful weekend. Obviously. Anything can happen uh, in, in a given game, but this does appear to be a lopsided affair. We'll talk about some of the ins and outs, but Rutgers, especially in offense, just a, a little beat up at this point. You know, they're missing their leading rusher. Their preseason third string quarterback is, is the guy who's expected to get the start Saturday. So going to be interesting in a lot of ways for Michigan. But ultimately, I think you and I are both predicting Michigan to win. So so the keys, you know, we talk about the offense in the first half, defense in the second half. We have some prop bets that we do along the way, along with our final score predictions at the end of the episode. But, you know, another angle of this, in addition to Michigan moving to 9-0, and would be what can they show, not just to themselves as they continue to try to get better and better each week, preparing for... Uh, what's expected to be a pretty strong final two weeks of the season against Illinois and then Ohio State, but also what they can show to the country is, is it, you know, it, it's it's not something the team will ever acknowledge, but there is kind of that unwritten component where with the college football playoff selection committee, you know, it, there is a little bit of an eye test component. There is a little bit of a showing off. And I think Michigan, currently number five in the college football playoff ranking. Steve, I asked you before the show if you wanted to weigh in on it. You said no, but but it is an interesting situation that's brewing where it seemed like the committee maybe underrated the Big Ten or didn't value the Big Ten as much as other polls did. I guess we don't know who's correct necessarily, but you know Maryland not yet ranked despite being six and two. There were a couple three lost teams that were ranked. Illinois 15, Penn State 16, and then Michigan behind Clemson. Now, it's only one spot lower than in the coaches' poll or the AP poll, but it does create a situation where, you know, the, the dream of a 11-1 Michigan team getting into the playoff, if, if that were to happen, I think that they're going to have to look more impressive eye test. And, and ultimately, the more important caveat of this is they're going to have to beat Ohio State to make the college football playoff. I know there'll be some fans who say, oh, it was always that way. Not necessarily. I mean, Michigan was a preseason top five team. It was not implausible that they could play close at Ohio State and go 11-1 and one and still make it, to the, make it into that final four, especially if you know, the Big 12 looks a little down this season. Pac-12 doesn't look like it's gotten back up. So, so there's some interesting angles, but, but ultimately – Michigan's schedule has not aged well. Not the non-conference schedule, actually. I think the non-conference schedule, I mean, it is what it is, but Iowa was supposed to be better. You know, they were preseason ranked team. Michigan State was supposed to be better. They were ranked in the preseason. If those two teams were more of the 6-2 and two variety right now, I do think Michigan would be number four. And they might even, depending on you know the way they dominated Michigan State, the way they really controlled the game against Iowa, you know, they might have a case for a top three ranking too. So going to be interesting to see how, how things unfold. 
I think there's been a, a growing conspiracy that the selection committee doesn't actually like put a lot of thought into these rankings until the final one, which is fair because that's really the only one that matters. You know, you, there's so many conference championships. There's so many big games still to come, including a couple this weekend. But getting back on track, Michigan opportunity this weekend, in my opinion, to really flex its muscles. I think Michigan will be able to control things on defense. I would put Rutgers on shutout watch. On offense, things will be tougher. Rutgers' defense held Ohio State to 161 passing yards, which, you know, granted Ohio State ran for 250 rushing yards, but it was still one of their quieter, from a yardage standpoint, offensive performances in the last five years. You know, this is a defense that, that other than Ohio State and Minnesota, has actually done pretty well stopping the run, too. I think they're fifth in the country in missed tackle rate. So not, not exactly a slouch defense. I would argue it's a better defense than Michigan State. Probably, probably not Iowa level, but, but kind of in between those two teams. I, I am curious to see how Michigan's offense looks. Is this a winning out over the course of four quarters? Or is this a scenario where they can really pour some points on Steve, from what you've been able to see from Rutgers and what you know about Michigan, what's the biggest key for Michigan's offense in this matchup? Uh, I think I think we're approaching stay healthy territory right now. I think we're approaching. I think I think the two we actually just did the recruiting pod with Sam and Bryce, and we sort of got on the topic of actual football. My, my thing was, I think you know. There's no reason Michigan shouldn't be able to win, uh, win against handily against Rutgers, win handily against Nebraska. So I think you want to keep Blake Corum in the Heisman conversation, but you also want to do it while not giving him the ball 30 times or 25 times each, you know, each of the next two games. So I, I think not for the sake of doing it, but just to keep your best player and, and fresh, I think Michigan does need to throw the ball around a little bit more. I think they need to start to utilize these wide receivers a little bit more. Uh, we talk about it from a recruiting standpoint too, you know, is, is getting the passing game more involved. How many receivers find the Michigan offense uh, particularly appealing at this point in the process? So, you know, I think there's a, a combination of reasons why I think a more pass heavy approach the next two weeks would be beneficial for Michigan. So, you know, I, I think that I think that's the key. I, I think you you be, show a little bit more well-roundedness, and you do it a with that other stuff in mind, but b also to keep Corum from you know. It, it, I mean, I don't know if you agree. I just I don't think there's really any reason he should need to carry the ball 25 times a piece in the next two games. They're just I, I you know unless again unless of course they turn it turns into a game, then you you know then you go with what's gotten you there. But, you know, if they get ahead early or, or make a couple big plays early and get ahead, I think, you know, I think you're wanting to see more Donovan Edwards, even a little more CJ Stokes who came in at the tail end of the Michigan state game and just more of that passing game, you know, a guy like Roman Wilson or a guy like Andrew Anthony, who we're still waiting to see get not make a big play, but get the opportunity to make a big play. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at heading into this weekend. I think is did I, I thought I read a stat too that Rutgers red zone defense is not very good, terrible. Right, I think so, they've stopped a touchdown once. I mean, 
all season. So then that's another thing you really want to look for for Michigan is some some major success in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, those are just a couple of the things I think, you know, in a game that Michigan should win, I think those are the types of things I'd be looking at or, or hoping for if you're a Michigan fan. Yeah, I think the the Blake Corum part is it is an interesting dynamic because not just Heisman, but you know, running back of the year, All American, starting to creep into even with his height and, and maybe the limitation that has starting to creep into that draft conversation. And then the other thing, like with it's such a tough dynamic for coaches because one, he's effective pretty much every time he touches the ball. Like some sometimes, like I always think about like a pitcher. It's like sometimes they're laboring and like you start to see their, their, their velocity goes down or they look like they're tired of their form fades and you're like, all right, time to, time to get to the bullpen. But Corum is like the opposite. It seems like he almost, he does the Justin Verlander, like throws faster as the game goes on. And, and, you know, he's, he's just a really positive guy. And so when he's really upbeat, when he's like bouncing up after he's been hit, uh, when he's, seems to be running harder as the game wears on. I, I can see where the coaches are, are like, all right, fine. Let's just keep doing this. You know, let's, let's let him get the, uh, the kind of game that he wants to have. But you do have to think, especially if you're Michigan and, and you're kind of, you don't know that you'll play 14 games, but your expectation is 14, maybe even 15. And that's, that, that, that would be, mean that they're just over halfway through the season so far. So in addition to the, to the freak injury, or something like that. You don't want the wear and tear. You don't want him going into the Ohio State game or or really the Illinois game, sore or bruised or whatever. And so in addition to the number of carries, I almost think there's some value in changing. Maybe he doesn't do the grunt carry or as many grunt carries up the middle this game. You know, Maybe he's someone that can get to the sideline more because it's not the running that's ter- tiring him out. It's the, it's the getting tackled that is tiring him out and so or or tires anybody out so I think there's I think there's an importance to that and then with the passing game I I can agree with you because you know Rutgers not 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 a bad pass defense we saw what they did with Ohio State Uh, I don't think anyone has really I think Boston College was the only team that really like slung the ball around on them and that was to the tune of 21 points in week one so it's not like it was you know this epic passing day but I do think as the season comes to its peak I suppose or as Michigan keeps climbing the mountain you you want to be confident in your passing game like you don't want it to be I mean this is where I think Andrew Anthony is is such a it's so strange that he's gotten the ball as infrequently as he has and it's almost like okay well when they play at Ohio State like is he is he going to be confident? Like I'm getting the ball after I, when I run this route and, and, and not just him, but every player, you know, is JJ McCarthy going in, Hey, we we've been doing this in practice. It will definitely translate into the game. Cause there, there's going to be a certain amount of confidence no matter what, because of practice. But I think you can have game confidence too. And you can take these next two weeks and sort of build confidence in your passing game, confidence in routes. You maybe haven't been doing a lot lately, kind of thinking about the the deeper routes because Michigan they're they're completing passes but it's it's not a ton of deep shots downfield and at some point I just I have to assume 
there's going to be a, a time where Michigan needs to use that part of its game. And so in addition to the red zone, which I agree, I think this is a, you want to challenge yourself to be effective in the red zone. Even if you, even if Rutgers is not good, are you executing at a high level? Are you being efficient in the red zone? Not just ultimately scoring, but being effective in the plays that are being called and that you think are needed to score those touchdowns. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's an opera. It's, it's an opportunity, you know, if we're thinking like if they run for 280 yards and three touchdowns and they win 28 to three or something like that, uh, they'll still win, you know, they'll still be top five in the country, but is there an opportunity for more if they can really uh, extend what they've been able to do offensively to that passing game. And yeah, Donovan Edwards is, I mean, he had a great game against Penn state. So I don't think that there's issue where he needs carries coming off of his injury or anything like that. But the more he gets, the better he gets. He's still a true sophomore who missed some time to injury. So yeah, I think there's big opportunity for Michigan to really diversify its offense because in addition to the receivers, or the, the main guys, you know, the Ronnie Bells, the Cornelius Johnson, the Roman Wilsons, maybe Darius Clemens gets a few catches. This is someone who hasn't been involved in the offense. Andrew Anthony, you know, maybe CJ Stokes, you, you start to feel better about his ability as the number three running back. So this is an opportunity to empty the bench. And Steve, I guess, where do you sit on the empty the bench? Michigan seems like in Big Ten games, they haven't been. Obviously, during those non-conference games, they treated it like an exhibition. But what is the value eight eight games, nine games into the season of playing the third, fourth string guys? You don't get to travel all of them because it's a road game, but getting some of the, the, the players who haven't gotten the ball a ton. I think maybe a Colston Loveland is another guy who could be, you know, him having a big game Saturday could be, really valuable for Michigan going forward. So what's your take on the opportunity to maybe empty the bench a little bit? And you kind of answered it. I mean, it's really about a lot. Some guys are an inj- maybe an injury away from having to play a much bigger role, right? I think of a guy like Stokes, you know, if any of either of Michigan's running backs were to go down at all, I mean, he becomes a relatively important piece for them, I would think, right? I mean, if he's still the third string guy, which we presume that to be the case uh, with him seeing the field last Saturday, but uh, yeah, it's, it's that. And, you know, there's always, oper- you're far enough in now where like the freshmen aren't really freshmen anymore necessarily, you know? So, so yeah, it gives you more of an opportunity to maybe see what you have in some of these guys. Loveland's a good example. I, I agree uh, with Clemens, even a Morian Walker at receiver, um, you know, at receiver, though, I'd still, you know, I think we're we're thinking more Andrew Anthony, like actually get some of the guys that we've seen contribute a little more run. But but yeah, other spots, I think yeah, you want to see what else you have coming down the final stretch of the season, you know, because yeah, you might you might have to call on somebody that you haven't had to rely on yet, you know, in a potentially big situation. So I think at this point, yeah, offensively. Yeah, I think the pros of diversifying and giving some other guys some playing time just far, far outweigh winning a game the way that they've been winning so far. You know, if it was the only way they could win, 
that'd be one thing, but I just, I think there's too much talent at quarterback at receiver for them to not change it up a little bit, you know, and, and yeah, and enough talent a little further down the depth chart at running back tight end where they can give some more of those guys a shot. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm, I'm looking at the season stats right now. Andrew Anthony, six catches in eight games, AJ Henning, six catches in eight games. Colston Loveland, a lot of excitement about him. He's only a true freshman, but to your point, he's been around for a few months now. You know, he's been through the game plan several times. He has four catches in eight games. Donovan Edwards, I think everyone would agree, is an integral part of this offense, averaging less than nine carries per game. And that's not counting the games that he was he was injured. So, And then C.J. Stokes is averaging four carries per game. And I, I don't anticipate Stokes, you know, taking away someone else's carries later this season unless there's an injury. But running back is an injury-prone position. Even if it's not like a major injury, someone might be limited. You don't want Stokes, you know, third carry in the last seven weeks to be at Ohio State, you know, down seven or something like that. So I, the more I t- say it, the more I'm like, you know, that's probably actually really important. And I think one other thing, I don't know what the deal with the quarterback situation is. I don't know if Cade McNamara is returning this season or not. Probably want to work a third string or your backup quarterback in. If 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 you are in the situation where you think he will be the backup quarterback, the number two quarterback against an Ohio State, against an Illinois, in a postseason game, probably want him to throw the ball a little bit. As as much as there is value in getting J.J. McCarthy reps, this is probably a game where where Davis Warren or Alan Bowman, Alex Orgy, I don't I don't even know who it would necessarily be because they haven't actually asked anyone to to step in. I think Warren has for some kneel down plays, but yeah, there's definitely an opportunity on offense to continue to grow some depth beyond what you've seen so far. All right, let's do a couple of these quick over-unders and this will, this will help reveal where we think this game is heading in a couple of these key areas. 199.5 passing yards by JJ McCarthy. Michigan is not averaging 200 passing yards a game in big 10 play. You know, McCarthy, he had the 300-yard game against Indiana, but all these other games, it they really have not asked him to do a ton throwing the ball. It's almost It almost reminds me of, like, the Wilton Spate playbook in 2016, where it's like, you know, he's efficient, seems like he's ready to go, seems like he can make plays when he has to, but sub-200 passing yards, game in, game out, does he get over 200 in this game? This is, I, I'm t- I think I'm going to take the under because Rutgers is really not like this porous pass defense. I would argue Michigan State and Maryland had worse pass defenses. Indiana, I would argue, had a worse pass defense than what Rutgers has shown so far. So I'm going to take the under. But Steve, how about you? Do they get to 200 passing yards with J.J. McCarthy? Feels like this is one of those numbers where Fans would feel a lot better about things if he did get to 200 against the Scarlet Knights. But but what's your thought on this on this first prop bet? I said over. I think they get there um, because I'm I'm just I'm going to guess that they just throw the ball a little bit more. Could be recording on Sunday, and it's at same same old same old. But I just I think they need to. This would be the game to start 
throwing the ball a little bit more. I think they're successful with it. I, I, I'm going to give them the over on this one. All right, just some numbers for the listeners at home. Minnesota threw for 122 yards. Indiana, who leads the country in pass attempts per game, threw for 210. Uh, Nebraska threw for 232. Ohio State, 161. And Iowa, 148. And that's in passing yards. Rutgers is 1-4 and four in those games, but that is something, at least like the raw passing number, passing yardage is, is fairly low. All right, going to stylistic. Michigan runs the ball on 60% of offensive plays. I'll pull up what they've done all season in just a moment. But, Steve, you, th- you think they're going to pass the ball a little bit more. Does it get to more than 40% of the play calls in this one? I think it's under, and, and it just – I didn't have a great week last week. This, this could be another. I feel like I am taking a bit of a risk with a couple of these because I'm banking on them throwing the ball a little bit more. So, so I said under – Pretty much the same logic as the McCarthy passing yards. I just I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. All right. So the overall this season, Michigan is passing the ball. I mean, Neil, I, I, I imagine that he did his research before he gave us these numbers. They are passing the ball on 39.05% of plays this season. So does he is there a slight uptick? Good I, Lord. Think, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I'm going to take the under. I mean, because the other thing we have to remember is we expect Michigan to win by quite a bit. So even if they do go a little pass heavy at the beginning, one could surmise that much of the third and fourth quarter could potentially be just kind of running out clock, running up the field, maybe even like get an Isaiah Gash or a CJ Stokes, give them a drive where they can, carry the ball four or five times. I'm going to take the under Steve. I'll give you an opportunity. Do you want to change your picks based on the numbers that I've, I've outlined so far? No, that actually makes me feel a little more comfortable with it. given it's been that close. Cause it doesn't feel like it's been that close in a lot of, in, in a lot of yeah, situations. That's fair. Right. Yeah. I mean, so they don't have to throw it way more necessarily than they have been. So no, I actually feel better about the under after that. Okay. Fair enough. Last one on the offensive side of things, 0.5 touchdowns scored by a Michigan player who has not scored a touchdown yet this season. So this plays a little bit into our approach of how, how much do they empty the bench? Some players who have not scored a touchdown yet this season. Oh, this is talking me into the over Andrew Anthony, uh, A.J. Henning does not have a receiving touchdown. Colston Loveland, uh, Matthew Hibner in the run game. It's well, C.J. Stokes has one. Gash has one. So I guess the most prominent players who have not scored a touchdown yet this season carrying the ball are Danny Hughes and Tavier Dunlap. So, Steve, are you? do you think that they go that empty with the bench to where – oh, and, and I guess I guess the true freshman receivers as well. Uh, do they go deep enough that one of them scores a touchdown? I, you know, Michigan, I think sometimes in these Rutgers games, I do think they sometimes pick and choose and say, oh, let's make sure this guy gets a touchdown. I think I'm going to take the over, but I'm not super confident in it. How about you? I said the under. Oh, I think it'll be some of the, the guys we're used to seeing. I, could, I liked your process of talking yourself into going with the over. That was basically you pretty much talking to yourself. 
uh, to get that one across. So I, it's possible, obviously. Right. I mean, we talk about the red zone stuff. We talk about maybe using the fade a little bit more that actually got some good discussion on the board. You know, is the fades, not a high percentage play per se, but to me, it's, it's having the, def- the making the defense have to respect Michigan a little more horizontally, you know, that could be where a guy like Andrew Anthony comes in and, and can make a play. Right. So, you know, he'd be the number one choice in my opinion, if it is, if you do hit on the over, but I'm, I'm still just going to go with the under. I think they're going to keep plugging along with the guys that have been getting them there. Jim Harbaugh did say he thinks Andrew Anthony, I mean, he said it a few times this season, but he was specifically asked about Anthony seemed to suggest that more targets will be coming his way. You know, his snap count is so high for only having six catches. So they clearly like him out there as a blocker and and he's had some, what I would call touchdown blocks this season. I'm going to stick with the over on that one. Just Anthony Henning. Although I guess Henning, he has a return touchdown, right? So maybe that doesn't count, but Darius Clemens, another guy who's played every game this season but has just one catch so far. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the defensive side of things. I have Rutgers on shutout watch. I'll explain why and discuss the keys for the Wolverines defense on the other side. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, Rutgers defense is serviceable. You know, they've, they've held their own a lot in Big Ten play. Rutgers offense is not. They're averaging 10 points per game in Big Ten play, and that includes some – it's not like they've played the juggernauts every week. You know, Ohio State, obviously, but, you know, I wouldn't say Indiana's defense is jaw-dropping. I wouldn't say Nebraska's defense is something that they're known for. Minnesota pitched a shutout last week. Rutgers is outside the top 100 in pretty much every – offensive category and they're missing their, their leading rusher quarterback will be interesting. I, I would suspect Gavin whims, gets a start. I would suspect that he will not play the entire game. I would just, my guess is that Noah Vidral might sneak in for, for some snaps or just be pushed into it if things go awry. So Steve, with that in mind, I mean, we, we, we kind of talked about the, what would make for a successful weekend on offense, on defense, I think it's all about what would make for a successful weekend. What are you looking to see from this defense beyond just staying healthy and beating Rutgers? I mean, is there any anything you want to see them look especially good in in this contest? Uh, it may depend on the approach Rutgers takes, but I thought one thing that really – one quote that really stood out to me earlier in the week was from Mike Elston mentioning Braden McGregor as a guy that's kind of broken out in practice the last couple of weeks. So I'm kind of interested to see if that continues. I mean, he had a nice, really great play and sack against Michigan State last week. And uh seems like his snap count has slowly ascended. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I feel like he played, definitely played more against Michigan State than he had in the few games leading up to that. Otherwise, you know, maybe force some turnovers. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm looking right now, but I, I just, my sense is that Michigan not very high on the, turnovers gained department this yeah season. they're outside the top 90 right so we're talking you know it's 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 weird it's it's a 
it's kind of a thing that has plagued Michigan since Don Brown was around. I have Michigan tied for 108th in the country with eight turnovers forced this season. That's you think a top five, top 10 unit in the country would be much higher on that list. Yeah. Maybe force a few turnovers here, uh, move up that list a little bit because yeah, I mean, that that's, it's again, it's like, a, it just seems like a thing that's been an issue for Michigan for years. And when you're getting sacks and teams aren't running the ball well against you, you know, you'd think that number would be a little bit higher. So yeah. McGregor breakout, a few more turnovers, biggest things I'm probably looking for. Yeah, McGregor, his snap count has actually not steadily increased. It, it, he was in the 20s against Maryland, and he actually got a start against UConn. And then it went down to 9, 10, 5 against Penn State, and then 9 last week. So it's been kind of consistent, but I do think he made some what I would call memorable plays against Michigan State that, that we haven't necessarily seen in other big 10 games this season so he's he's someone and and kind of like a few other of those pass rushers i mean the more of those guys who can quote you know get into a groove or or find their footing or whatever phrase you want to use more edge rusher good equal good for michigan defense and and it's a chance for michigan to show it against a Rutgers pass blocking unit that, that really isn't that good so that's actually one of my keys is can you as Michigan develop a pass rush early. I don't know if there's a way I can really do this stat other than looking at every single play that they've done this season, but I would be willing to bet that the majority, vast majority of Michigan sacks and pressures this season have come in the final third of games, you know, either late in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, because I think they're, when they build leads on these teams, they start going past first that's when you start to see the talent, the athleticism, you know, the length, the quickness off the line. Don't always see that early in the game. And I, I do think that to beat Ohio State, they're going to have to be able to bring pressure all the time. So I, th- I think this is a, a big key for, for Saturday is getting some pass rush early. Gavin Wimsett, by the way, pretty much – ineffective under pressure so far this season he's been pressured 11 times he is one for eight passing with two interceptions thrown he has seven passing yards and his two interceptions went under pressure so if you want to put this game away real early and and start to force some of those turnovers I think a pass rush in the first quarter can really do wonders for that Rutgers receivers quietly, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're decently athletic. They make contested catches. This is not a, this is not where Rutgers is one in four in Big Ten play. It's not so much the receivers, it's maybe the rest of the offense. Uh, so this will, this is going to be a game where Michigan, how they do in terms of getting their hand on the ball, because Steve, I think you agree with me on this. Turnovers are a little bit fluky. But you do want to see Michigan in position to force more turnovers, even if they don't force four on Saturday. You know, are they getting their hand on more balls? Because they, they just don't have a ton of pass breakups. I don't think there's a lot of forced fumbles, even if the other team recovers them. I don't think there's a ton of forced fumbles on Michigan's resume this season. And, and 
you know, it's been a couple dropped interceptions. So you want to see Michigan catch some of them. But I, I also think if they're just creating havoc and forcing a lot of potential turnovers, I think you can live with a couple of them bouncing the wrong way or falling out of a, a linebacker's hands. So I think, I think that's, that's another big key is, is what kind of, how disruptive is your defense? Not just forcing three and outs, forcing three and outs, forcing three and outs, but, but can you change the, the momentum of the game or change the tide of the game with your defense? All right, let's do some of these over-under predictions. Rutgers quarterbacks complete 50.1% of their passes, so they get above 50%. At one point, I looked up what the numbers were this season. I don't think either quarterback who's supposed to play Saturday is above 50% this season. I would anticipate that would not, they would not improve against Michigan. So I'm going to take under on this one. Steve, how about you? Under. I thought this was the easiest one of the 10, honestly. So not really a lot of room for or need to elaborate per se I just Michigan's been one of the better pass defenses in the country Rutgers one of the not so good pass offenses so I'll take the under yeah so far this season Gavin Wimsett is 16 for 40 so that's 40 percent Noah Vidral is 21 for 46 that's 45.7 percent and then Evan Simon is 57.7 percent in conference play they're completing 49.3 percent of passes I I think Michigan will do better than the average opponent Rutgers has faced. All right, next one. 6.5 different Michigan players record a tackle for loss or sack. I really expect Michigan to dominate in the run defense in this game. Neil did not give us an over-under, but if there had been an over-under for, for rushing yardage, I honestly, even 39.5 yards, I'd probably take the under. I, I think this is a game where Michigan is really going to dominate the trenches. I think you're going to see the interior of the defensive line be really effective at controlling the line of scrimmage. I don't seven seven or more is is quite a bit. That's that's a lot of different players getting involved. You know that that that's beyond just the edge rushers and, and the linebackers. I mean that's that's involving the defensive backs, defensive tackles. That said, I am going to take the over seven or more. I, I think they're going to get a lot of tackles for loss in this game. I think that's going to be one of the stories of the game is how many negative plays Rutgers has. I'm taking the over. Steve, how about you? I said under. Uh, this one was one in response was one of the tougher ones because I agree Michigan should dominate up front. No reason that they can't get there. That's just I agree. That's a lot of people though. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go with the under. I think the guys inside get their fair share. Uh, but, but yeah, seven players seems like a little, maybe one too many. If this was uh, five and a half, I'd probably go taking the over. Uh, so I'll go with the under. So one technicality I'm curious about is what, how does a half tackle for loss count? I might actually shoot Neil a message and get clarification before we officially submit our picks. Because last week, Eight different Michigan players recorded at least half a tackle for loss against Michigan State, but only six of them recorded at least one tackle for loss. Either way, I, I'm taking the over. You're probably taking the under either way, but that is a technicality. For those that like to play along, 
that I'll be keeping an eye on. All right, last one. Thought it would be good to, to switch the topics just to talk about someone who really has not been talked about a lot. But Brad Robbins accumulates 99.5 yards punting. I'm going to take the under. I don't think that he's getting to that total with two punts. And I don't think that they're going to punt three times. But Steve, is is Brad Robbins maybe the most unappreciated? I mean, I, I'm trying to think the last time Michigan had a player who was performing at arguably an All-American level, but was getting the ball so infrequently that, like, it, it, I mean, he's going to miss out on awards because Michigan's offense is so good. So I guess the over-under is 99.5 yards. But any any additional thoughts on the on the punting game and because it's been really effective, not just in yards downfield, but in limiting returns and getting the hang time and getting those inside the 20 pins. Hey, poor Brad Robbins. He's got this great fundraiser and you can donate it to, to it regardless. But, you know, it's for every punt that he gets inside the 20 or, or goes at least 50 yards on, he donates a certain amount of money. Cancer research. Michigan's offense kind of hanging him out to dry. He can't pin cancer deep because they're, they're not letting him punt because they're being too effective. Yeah, I went with the under as well. Yeah, I don't yeah, like he's you know, you hardly sometimes you forget that he's there. You know, yeah, testament to Michigan's offensive production so far this season. I suspect Michigan is going to need Brad Robbins before it's all said and done. So uh honestly credit to him for being like I don't know if it's like you know, like a like a pitcher when the other team's out when 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 he's when you have to sit for a half hour, your team scores like 10 runs, you know, and you come in. You haven't pitched in 45 minutes. I don't know if it's like if it's normally similar, but it doesn't that doesn't seem to be the case with Robbins. You know, he's been excellent when he's been asked to do his job, which is, you know, all Michigan can hope for. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with the under, though. I I think that that trend kind of continues this Saturday, uh, you know, and that Michigan's only going to have to punt a couple times, maybe so far this season. He is first in the country in hang time, according to pro football focus. He is third in the country. In net punting yards, that's how much you send it down, but also factoring in touchbacks and returns as negative yards. And even just in regular sending it down the field, he's 15th among punters who've punted, or or, I'm sorry, 14th among punters who have punted it at least 12 times. He's only punted it 19 times, though, whereas like a lot of these guys who are, you see all those different rankings at the top of the Big Ten, like Bryce Berenger's punted 34 times. Adam Corsack, who uh, is having a nice season again for Rutgers, he's punted it 41 times already. I don't even want to know how much Tory Taylor. <laughs> it seems like he's he's punting eight times a game, it feels like. Yeah, he's punted 48 times for Iowa. So just something something that I, don't, I feel like we haven't talked about him in a while, but he's he's really an asset whenever he's out there. I just, yeah, he's punted at this point. It'll be like what one time in the last month since the Indiana game. So one time in the last four weeks when we add in the bye week, but I'm going to take the under on that. All right, Steve, your final thoughts on this matchup and your score prediction for Saturday's game. Yes. Can we say Rutgers is like maybe kind of a disappointment so far this year? Did it seem like they were kind of a team on the uptick at least a little bit? I never know. I never know how to weigh that because I think a lot of people say that. I just felt like Shiano was doing a pretty good job so far. I I think maybe expected a little bit more out of Rutgers this year because now they're looking a little bit more like Rutgers. Uh, Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to 
struggle. They're, it's going to be a struggle for them to get to a bowl game. Yeah. You know, which we'll see. You know, I, I don't know. I just thought kind of interesting. Hadn't really focused a lot on them this season, but just the, the quick overview was like, man, this isn't would have thought Rutgers didn't see Illinois making a push in conference. I know, I know it's East versus West, but uh, either way, you know, I just kind of surprising a little bit, but either way, yeah, Michigan dominates again. I think the biggest question is how they do it. You know, I think that's what we'll be watching for. Uh, I'll go Michigan 41 Rutgers nine. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I, I, there's a part of me that still wonders if Rutgers has, the they have a very undersized defensive line. I probably should have talked about this in the offensive keys, but it almost seemed to be to Rutgers' advantage last season. It was early in the season, but I think sometimes it gets forgotten that they held Michigan to 112 rushing yards on 2.95 yards per carry. I mean, you could argue other than Georgia, no one else shut down Michigan's rushing attack like Rutgers did. And part of it, I, I just I can't help but wonder if, you know, their defensive interior guys are like 275 to 290 pounds. And it's like, are they almost quicker off the line? Are they almost able to get off the block sooner? Kind of like a Chris Jenkins type where I don't think he's, he's not Mozzie Smith where he's, you know, just moving the line of scrimmage through physics, but he can be really crafty because he, he has good strength, but isn't so heavy that it's weighing him down. So I'm a little curious about that. That maybe be the one area where if Michigan stumbled or or it was an ugly game at halftime, uh, that might be it because I I would assume Rutgers will try to stop the run against Michigan more than you know against Ohio State. Curious about that. That's maybe the one like lingering thought that's in my head heading into this matchup. I still think Michigan will win. I'm with you. It's kind of a matter of how soon do they empty the bench? How many different receivers do they get involved? How often do they pass? I've got Michigan winning 31 to seven. Feels like 31 is right in the, the, the sweet spot for what Michigan's been kind of scoring lately. Perhaps they get over some of the red zone issues or perhaps they really can pour it on. I don't know. After scoring 29 against Michigan State's defense, I'm not sure that Rutgers. I mean, for all of Rutgers' flaws, I don't. I, I don't think most of them are on the defensive side of things. So, I've got Michigan winning comfortably, and I've got Rutgers on shutout watch. But I'm going to say 31 to seven Wolverines. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our preview stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you after the game.